Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today to reconnect with Tony Khan uh, to catch up on all the action leading into full gear this Saturday night at the Kia Forum in LA. So just a few uh, quick housekeeping items um, in the interest of time and uh, give everyone a chance to participate. We kindly ask that you refrain from asking two-party questions or three-party questions. Let's try to keep it to one question per reporter. Also, please try to keep your questions focused on the upcoming shows this week. And as Robin mentioned, please make sure your phone is unmuted. Okay, let's go. Let's turn it over to Tony Khan right now for some opening thoughts, and I'm going to open your lines for questions. Tony. Thank you, Jim. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited about this week. This is one of my favorite weeks in wrestling, one of my favorite weeks in life. Full Gear Week, and it's really special being out here in L.A. I don't want to take up too much time. I want as many of you to get a chance to ask a question as possible, and uh, I'll stay as long as I can to get as many questions in as we can. So with that, Jim, please uh, take it away. All right, let's go. Jim Barcelone from the Miami Herald will begin. And we'd like to ask Phil Strom from USA Today's Under the Ring to be ready after uh, Tony and Jim connect. Jim, you're up. Uh, thanks, everybody. With this big event coming up, and it, it looks like a great card again. Curious, because obviously the big thing with Sting announcing retirement, Ric Flair's going to be there for this one coming up. I'm curious with Darby because Darby has done awesome. Has there been thoughts already? Because Darby's been with Sting for a while now of, okay, now what, what are we going to do with Darby? Maybe not specifics, but has there been thoughts yet about that once Sting does retire? That's a great question, Jim. I think it's important to remember Darby was on fire before Sting got here and has continued to stay on fire. I think Sting has been a great mentor to Darby. And the crazy thing is, I think, for the crazy world of uh, modern 2023 present-day wrestling, I think Darby has been an awesome person to help Sting get reintroduced after taking a lot of time away. And Darby is a great mind for wrestling, and he's one of our top stars. And I think certainly it's very fitting he'll be alongside Sting for Sting's retirement. Also, I think... Darby's got such a bright future many years ahead after Sting retires, but I, I'm really glad that the two of them have had this great run. It's been nearly three years now, and it's been something I've really enjoyed and one of the most special things I've ever been a part of. Thanks, Jim. Thank you very much, Jim. Phil Strom from USA Today's Under the Ring is next. Stephanie Chase from Digital Spy will follow. Phil. Hey, Tony. Thanks again for doing this. Um, my question was about uh, Sting's retirement tour, if we can talk about that a little bit. You know, so last year, what, what that looked like with Muda uh, in a lot of places. And can you give us a glimpse into your thinking as you begin to plot out what that looks like? And just if you could share what he and his career mean to you, and the locker room and the staff as, you know, as a promoter, as a fan, as whatever perspective you want to choose. Thanks. Well, Sting is important to everybody in AEW, and we all have different memories, and that's one of the great things about wrestling. Since it's on 52 weeks a year, every week, year in, year out, for our entire lifetimes, there are all kinds of different ways we associate memories. But I think for many people on this call, I would imagine, and certainly everybody I know in AEW, Sting is, Sting is a, somebody that so many of us have been a fan of, but 
as we've gotten to know him and work with him, he's also the nicest person I've ever known. He's so kind and so genuine. He's selfless. And I'm in awe of him. Sting is uh, somebody that I think we should all aspire to be like. He's really uh, just one of the most positive and warm people I've ever known. And he's also such a, an incredible legend in the perseverance and staying power of Sting to be in this business and coming up on, uh, you know, real, realistically three years in AEW that have been just incredible for us. And I hope we've made it a great send off for him. And, you know, I'm so excited to have Sting here in AEW for the remainder of his time here. And we want to make the most of it. And anytime Sting is in a city, it's, it's really great because it may be their last time to see Sting there. And here in Los Angeles this weekend, I believe this will be Sting's last match in L.A. And I think it's very fitting that it would be with such great partners as Darby and Adam Copeland and taking on one of AEW's greatest stars and the TNT champion Christian Cage alongside the patriarchy. Luke Soros and Nick Wayne. And uh, for Sting, I expect he will go out in a great blaze of glory. Uh, nobody tries to talk Sting into doing the insane things he does in these matches, uh, and he's always trying to push the limits. And I think it goes to show that he just wants the fans to have a good time, and that's a mindset Sting's brought to wrestling for so many years. And now in 2023, I mean, these these past couple of years, I think Sting's been crazier than ever and, and done some of the wildest stuff he's ever done in wrestling in his 60s. And uh, we just want to make sure we give him a great last run here in AEW. Thanks for asking about it. Thank you, Phil. Stephanie Chase from Digital Spy is next. Mike McGuire from Vista Radio in Canada will follow Stephanie. Stephanie. Hi, Tony. How are you? I am very well, Stephanie. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm great, Tony. Thanks for talking to me today. Um, I know I asked you before a couple of months ago about the female voices backstage in the creative meetings, booking, agenting, and just within the company in general. And we've seen in the past few months like the hiring of Jimmy Jacobs, another male on the creative side. And it's recently been reported that a top female in the company, your legal chief, Mega, has stepped back to focus on the Jags. Um, I know she's not from the wrestling side of it. Um, you've still got Sarah Stock in there, but has there been any increase in female voices backstage, either giving their ideas creatively, taking input, or when it comes to larger company decisions? Well, two of the top executives on the wrestling side who work as coaches and are in my office every week putting ideas together and working with women and men in AEW are Sarah Stock and Madison Rain, and both of them are doing a great job. And we see both of them every week coming in and uh, putting in great ideas. And Madison Rain's been with us for a long time. She was not traveling every week with an injury, but I really enjoy working with her. I thought she did a great job last night. And Sarah Stock has been awesome since she came in uh, because she also speaks Spanish 
she is able to communicate better than some other people backstage with some of the luchadors who come into AEW. So Sarah Stock has worked with a lot of the great women and men and been involved in some of the best matches on TV recently. And uh, we have a great group of people here, and I think uh, it's a great group of women and men on the staff, and absolutely uh, those are two of my favorites on the wrestling side. Thank you, Stephanie. Mike McGuire from Vista Radio in Canada. You are next. John Orchiola from Screen Rant will follow. Mike. Hey, Tony. Thank you very much for the time today. Always appreciate these media calls and I love the chance to talk to you here. Um, a question about just your, your planning going into full gear and, and even shows moving forward from here. You've obviously been dealing with a lot of injuries, a lot of plan B's, plan C's, and, and maybe some of these decisions have been made more on the fly than others. And, and I don't want you to spill the beans here. I like watching wrestling and being surprised. But I guess the, the question I have is, with the level of, of intensity that your wrestlers are putting out in the ring today, are you coming up with plan B's and plan C's more often now in case something, heaven forbid, does happen in the ring? Well, it's a great question. I think we got some practice at that in the lockdown era because very frequently, and again, I mentioned earlier, and we all know it, wrestling is a 52-week-a-year business. There's no off-season, and it is the ultimate nonstop marathon that, that never ends until you quit. And I think that in the lockdown era in 2020 and 21, we got a lot of practice with people being out with uh, – you know, during the lockdown, either exposures or people who would, you know, had COVID. And so we didn't want them to come in and, and we would change plans from what we previously had to, to uh, protect those people and protect everybody. And there were periods of time where lots of people weren't traveling. So I changed a lot of things and uh, it sometimes led to great moments like John Moxley and Eddie Kingston was something that if you watched All Out 2020, there was a battle royal, and it came down to Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston. And I, if you watch it, I think it's clear those are the two guys, not only obviously the two final people in the casino battle royal, but also two people that I was setting up where they were both future John Moxley opponents. But uh, Eddie ended up moving up uh, the order, and, and uh, the, that match happened sooner than I was originally planning it. It worked out great. And here we are at Full Gear, and that ended up being uh, the main event of Full Gear three years ago, one of my favorite shows we've done. And there's been so many great things along the way that happened due to an injury or a change. But on the flip side, I can't lie to you and say it's been easy or that, you know, I've been happy about it. I think that some of the stuff that happened at Grand Slam in particular, it was such a great show, and we're on such a great run of big events, yet losing Adam Cole for uh, an extended period of time and John Moxley for a shorter period of time, but one that also had major effects on the company. These were really challenging. And also those guys were on a roll and doing great stuff. I was John Moxley and Orange Cassidy were on fire and Adam Cole and MJF had been just crushing it for us. So it really was challenging those in particular. And we've had a lot of stuff come up, but I think it's been great how everyone's pulled together and what's awesome to me is we've been able to continue this awesome streak of pay-per-views. I've said it over and over because I believe it's true. 
Vince Collision started in particular, I think we're on the best run of pay-per-views we've ever done. You know, we started the year great with Revolution, and there were a lot of things I liked at Double or Nothing. And then when Collision kicked in, I absolutely believe that when we went from doing three hours of television every week to five hours of TV every week, it allows us to tell a lot more stories. And it definitely sets us up in a good position going into the pay-per-views not only to be able to build up more matches, but also feature more great wrestling on TV every week uh, to get us to the pay-per-views. And it has only made the pay-per-views feel more special. And I believe that the run we're on from Forbidden Door in Toronto, and then the biggest thing we've ever done, of course, all in Wembley, London Stadium, and then All Out and Wrestle Dream. That's my favorite run of shows we've done. And now we have a chance to extend it this weekend, Saturday, at full gear and it's been a lot of changes to get here and that isn't dissimilar from full gear 2020 in some ways where there were changes along the way and that ended up being one of my favorite shows we ever did and i hope we can uh, continue this great run we're on this saturday at full gear thanks very much for asking thanks mike john orchiola from screen rant you are next dominic d'angelo from ad free shows will follow John? John? Well, how about we go to Dominic D'Angelo from Ad Free Shows, and then we'll try John uh, after Dominic. Dominic, are you ready to go? Yeah. Hey, uh, Tony, can you hear me okay? Yep. Yep. I hear you great. Okay. Awesome. Hey, uh, wanted to kind of get your insight a little bit on the growth and evolution of MJF. Um, AEW's kind of had some sound ambassadors throughout the year from a wrestling perspective. I'd say like Cody Rhodes was a big one starting off and he left and, uh, you even had CM Punk, but then other talents, Brian Danielson. Would you consider uh, MJF a big ambassador for you guys as a company? And where do you see uh, his growth growing uh, moving forward as his contract is set to expire at the, in 2024? Well, MJF is the AEW world champion and face of the company in so many ways and has been with us since the very beginning. He was involved in the very first AEW match ever from start to finish and he's been involved in so many of our best shows and great moments in AEW and when you talk about the greatest homegrown stars I think the conversation starts with MJF and he is a great champion and we've seen him grow a lot as a champion when he started he really took shortcuts and we heard MJF say he wanted to be a champion who held on to the title by hook or by crook and uh, only defended it when he was forced to in mandatory matches. And now he's grown into a fighting champion. And I think a lot of this happened when he bonded with Adam Cole. Every time we'd seen MJF make a connection with somebody, he'd stab them in the back time after time. And we don't know what's going to happen with Adam Cole and MJF. Nobody does, I think. Uh, But uh, I think that it's, certainly been something that's definitely affected him on as far as 
how he's treated the championship and himself as the champion. And I think there's been great growth there in MJF on screen and off screen. MJF's been a great leader for AEW and somebody that we can really count on as a great champion, which I don't know if anybody would have predicted that when we did the first AEW show at the LA Forum. So it shows how much things can change in a year and uh, year and change. And so uh, I believe not only is MJF one of our great homegrown stars and the kind of prodigious and uh, the kind of indelible wrestling talent that we want here. And I think that he has somebody people will talk about for a long time. And as long as he's been here, we've loved having him in AEW. And certainly uh, I think he's grown into becoming a great champion too. Thanks for asking. Thank you, Nate. <clears throat> Thank you, Dominic. Um, John Orchiola, are you happy to be with us? Hi. Um, no, he can't. Um, we can't get his mic um, okay. working. But he sent me his question. Well, why don't you put that into a chat, Robin? Okay. And, and let's go to uh, Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone. Um, <clears throat> we'll come next. And after that, I've got a write-in um, uh, from uh, Ayman Chahali from LA Excites. Bill, you're up. Hey, Tony. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for asking. So Brian Danielson was just pulled from WrestleCade coming up, and it's the it, reasoning was it, unforeseen circumstances. But he's advertised for next week's uh, AEW shows. Um, so I was wondering if you could speak to the reason why he was pulled from that. I'm not sure, Brian. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I would let Brian. I don't want to speak for him on that. But I know Brian always puts the wrestling as a priority. There's also uh, the issue of we're waiting for Brian to get final clearance to fly. He was able to come to collision in Oakland this past weekend because it was a drive that he was able to make, but he's not able to fly. He can ride in a car. So uh, Pittsburgh is a long way from where he lives. And uh, also Russell Cade, I believe, was a long way from where he lives. So there's a couple of uh, things still at play there, but I, I would let him uh, speak to that. But I, I uh, you know, I, I'm not too familiar with that event. So I, I can't say. Thanks. Thank you, Bill. <clears throat> I've got a write-in here from Ayman Jalali from LA Sites. And here's his question, uh, Tony. Uh, given how anticipated the Hangman Swerve match is, perhaps more so than any other match on the Full Gear card, please talk about why you think their storyline has resonated so much with the fans. Well, they're two of the top stars. Swerve and Hangman are on fire, each of them right now, and I think they've had a great chemistry. They wanted to fight each other from the beginning, and what we've seen, the way it's played out, it's been a great rivalry. And I think it's great to see in wrestling two people that care so much about beating the hell out of each other and what started 
as a rivalry about who can out-wrestle each other and who is going to be the bigger star going forward has turned into something far more personal. And I really enjoyed it. And I thought last night was uh, an incredible segment and a lot of credit to both men for making it possible. I think Swerve, uh, some of his actions along the way have been unscrupulous, but they've made for good wrestling. And I've had people ask me at times uh, questions about some of what's happening with some of the heels and why I haven't punished them for some of the things they've done. And frankly, I don't think it's my place to, and I don't think it would serve the baby faces in these situations for me to be doing that. And it's come up also uh, in the world championship, and I could address that in another time, but in this situation with Swerve and Hangman, there's been some stuff that's happened outside of the ring, and it's really not my place. It would be the place of the authorities, perhaps, uh, but for me, it's, it's pro wrestling, and I would want them to settle it in the ring, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with last night. We are so close to one of the biggest events in wrestling. We're so close to one of my favorite nights. I can't wait to walk into the forum on Saturday morning and r- realize fully that it's full gear and it's in the forum. I can't believe it. And it's going to be awesome. And this is one of the reasons I'm so excited for the swerve hangman, Texas death match. And we're bringing the Texas death match to Hollywood. I think that's awesome. And these are the two guys you'd want to have in it. And, uh, as for, should I have suspended swerve or, uh, you know, punish swerve for the home invasion, Absolutely not. I think that's uh, the place for the legal authorities to do stuff like that. And in this case, uh, I want them to settle it in the ring. And it's helped make what you just said in your great question a lot of interest in one of the most anticipated wrestling matches of the year, which is Hangman Page versus Swerve Strickland in the Texas Death Match this Saturday at AEW Full Gear in Los Angeles. And I can't think of a better way for them to deal with their issues than in the ring. And that's why last night when we're so close to the pay-per-view, I had said these two cannot touch each other. And if either of them attacks the other, they attack each other. The match is off and both of them are banned for the rest of the year, which nobody wants. And certainly neither of them and their families and their businesses, they don't want that. So it ended up making for a very effective segment. And I think we heard, Hangman, as angry as we've ever heard him, and he's been in some of the best Texas death matches I've ever seen. And Swerve's on this incredible run. We saw Swerve had Hangman's number at Wrestle Dream in Swerve's hometown, Seattle. And I can't wait to see what happens this Saturday at AEW Full Gear. Thanks. Thank you very much, um, Iman. Um, we're going to go now to Jaime Falcon from the Los Angeles Times. And following Jaime, we're going to then go to Amy Nemedy from WrestleJoy. Jaime, you're up. How's it going? Tony, thank you uh, for making time for us today. And hope you're enjoying this beautiful L.A. weather compared to what you had to deal with yesterday. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's great. 
just want to hit you with a, a quick question. Los Angeles is a minority majority area that's long been a place where like diverse performers have thrived going back to the large Lucha Libre pay-per-views of the 90s. Have you taken any inspiration from those previous shows and how you approach the market that's been geared towards supporting AEW? Well, it's a great question. Uh, and certainly uh, the market has shown great support for the Lucha Libre stars. And we've been trying to integrate more great Lucha Libre into the AEW programs week in, week out. And it's paid great dividends, and I'm excited about it. And it's great having so many of the top Lucha stars in the world competing in AEW. And uh, going forward, we want to do a lot more of it. And I absolutely think it's a great point. And it's something that we've uh, been thinking a lot about and I've been trying to cultivate relationships. Of course, everybody saw Mystico came in recently from CMLL and competed in AEW. And from the beginning of AEW, we've tried to have great Lucha Libre stars involved. Some of the most decorated wrestlers in the history of AEW are the Lucha Brothers, Pentel Zero Mieto and Ray Phoenix, who've held the World Tag Team Championship and the World Trios Championship and Ray Phoenix has held the international championship, which puts him on a very short list uh, with Pac and Kenny Omega is, I believe, the only three people in AEW ever to hold singles, tag, and trios championships. And we have, uh, in addition this weekend, something I'm really excited about, which is the return of Roosh. And when Roosh and his brother, Drylistico, and the LFI came back, to AEW, I think there's been so much interest, and Roosh brings an intensity and an authenticity that everybody can see when he gets out and fights. And his brother, Drylisco, has so much upside, so much potential, and they've earned this spot in this world championship match. The fans are behind LFI, even though they're very polarizing uh, in AEW. And it feels like... Uh, Roosh has that chemistry, that leadership to make LFI very relevant as well. Andrade Alidolo has been a great competitor for us lately. And uh, in addition to the great stars in AEW, young stars that we've been trying to bring up, like Commander, who we signed. I also am really excited about the return from injury of Bandito, who I would have loved to have featured this week. He's one of my favorite up-and-coming wrestlers, and he's a great person. I think the world of Bandito, and I, I wish he was healthy, and he will be soon. So there's a lot of great Lucha stars in AEW, and certainly it's a great market for that. And uh, you know that that's a, a great thought and a great point. And certainly across this week, we've tried to have uh, a number of Lucha stars involved this week with AEW in California. Thanks for asking. Thank you, Lenny. Amy Nemeny from WrestleJoy is next. Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful will follow Amy. You're up, Amy. Hi, Tony. The talk of Tinseltown has centered around the Hollywood homecoming of the dazzling dame Tony Storm and her formidable foe, the strikingly dominant warrior Hikaru Shida. As the head of entertainment, Mr. Khan, could you give us a peek behind the velvet curtain to your thoughts of this thrilling showdown at full gear for the AEW Women's World Championship? Yeah, I'm really excited for the match. I am very excited about Hikaru Shida versus Tony Storm for the AEW Women's World Championship. It's been a great rivalry. And 
I'm excited about the match and to take a closer look at it this weekend. I thought the sit-down interview last week was very compelling, and there were some great points. First of all, you have to look at Hikaru Shida, who is the most accomplished champion, arguably, in AEW. I think she would be on a very short list, certainly, of the great women and men who've competed in AEW since the first year and, and dominant competitors. And Hikaru Shida has not been pinned or submitted in 2023. She's been a great champion. And when she regained the championship, she put herself on a, not only a very short list, but I believe ensured her immortality in the AEW history books. And the run she's on is amazing. And it was a great sit-down interview between Sheeta and Tony Storm. And something I thought was such a great point uh, was when Tony Storm answered Sheeta's question. She'd asked Tony, what happened to you? As it's clear, Tony's changed a lot, and some people think she's lost her mind. And Tony said, you happened to me. You're the one who's caused all this. You know, I've changed because of you. And it's true. She did had Tony's number. There was a time when the two of them were friends, and uh, she did store, uh, you know, is, a, is something that was a lot of fun. And they had a friendly competitive rivalry and Tony Storm at one time was a poster girl of AEW in a very different way. And she had something that some might consider of a fall from grace. I see it differently. When I sat down with Tony a long time ago, we had a shared vision for this stuff. And I came to Tony and showed her some ideas, old Hollywood movies, and it's exactly the kind of stuff she loved. And she had a vision that was very similar uh, of a starlet. And uh, the word she had used at the time months ago when we talked, this was a long time ago. It was when uh, we first started, it was a long time ago, and I'll say this, it was when I first started working on getting Mariah Pisa and stuff. And that took longer than I would have liked, but it's worked out great. And, uh, so I sat down with Tony a long time ago talking about old movies and plans and things we could do. And she started watching the movies and she sank her teeth into it more than anybody's ever sank her teeth in anything ever. <laughs> and she had such great ideas and then we brainstormed and I think Tony's great and love working with her. And it's, just incredible. She is not just channeling the Hollywood starlet. She's become the Hollywood starlet. And it's undeniable. She is timeless Tony Storm now. And I've tried to come up with ideas uh, to involve her in the show, get her more of her segments in, tell the story differently, and portray her and feature her differently than anybody else. And now I think uh, for that uh, great axiom or test, like the Halloween costume wrestler is a wrestler who is enjoyable and is a star and has a gimmick 
that somebody could go out and do for Halloween. And, uh, you know, and it isn't, uh, isn't just a, a necessarily a, a vanilla, something special. Well, I think if somebody wanted to go out and paint themselves black and white and be Tony Storm, that would be a hell of a Halloween costume. And uh, I think she's grown to be something of an immortal character in uh, AEW. I used that word earlier, and I, I mean it because I think there's stuff in wrestling that people will remember years from now and talk about. And I think she's doing something people will remember for a long time, and it's only going to keep getting better and better as we keep going on, and it's really just getting started. And I think it's important to remember that, like Tony said, it got started with Sheeta. And Sheeta's the one who set her down this path to madness. Is it uh, a path other Hollywood starlets have followed, uh, like Norma Desmond or uh, uh, many others? Uh, is there, uh, is there a, a, some Margot Channing uh, self-absorbedness in there? Is there, uh, well, frankly, uh, I'll, I'll save some surprises and, and not say much more about it, but I am excited about what's happening with Timeless Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida. I think they're two of the best stars in AEW, and I'm so excited about the match and what Hikaru Shida is doing as the world champion now for the third time and about Tony Storm's Hollywood homecoming this Saturday. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful is next, and Sean will be followed by Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer. Hey, Tony. Uh, last or a couple weeks ago, we had the announcement of the all-in pre-sale, and now we have uh, hype surrounding an upcoming signing at AEW Full Gear. Much is made when you have these announcements or even announcements of announcements. How do you sort of weigh when you do that and sort of decide how you hype them up and to what degree you hype them up? Because obviously that's something that's talked about a lot in its own. Well, it's a great question, Sean. That's a really well-thought-out question, and uh, it's something I weigh all the time because we have to announce matches and announce moments and announce huge things and signings, and sometimes you just try to do what feels right and create engagement, and that's something we've been able to do, uh, whether it be on television or through social media. I think certainly we created a lot of awareness about Wembley uh, by putting uh, a lot of fanfare around the announcement and then uh, putting it on television and getting a lot of eyes on it and conversation about it. I think now there's a lot of awareness about the December 1st on sale. And I think we've been able to use the TV and social media at times uh, to get people excited. And then there's times where I like to keep people on their toes and it was fun to have something this past week on collision that people are blown away by. And that's the continental classic, which people are really excited for. And I'll have more information about that right after full gear. And, and for those of you coming to full gear, I can even talk to you with a lot more details in the scrum after the pay-per-view about where this is going and who's going to be involved in the continental classic and what's going to be taking place there in the weeks to come after full gear. I think right now I want to keep as much focus on full gear as possible. And you mentioned an announcement I had about a new signing. I'm really excited about that. And I think that's going to be someone 
that will be a great addition to AEW, and it's going to be a big deal. And, it, you know, as for how to announce the announcements or when to announce things, it's something that uh, definitely uh, there's lots of different ways to slice and dice it, and there's tons of different ways to approach that. But really just trying to create excitement around uh, our big promotions, events, wrestlers, and get good buzz around the company. And I think we've been able to do that. Last night's show was very well received, and I think people are pumped for full gear this weekend. On Saturday, I should add, by the way. It's weird not the pay-per-view on Sunday. But I'm uh, very, very uh, uh, glad we'll be doing it on Saturday, and then I'm able to red-eye back for the Jags game, too. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer is next. Paul Berry from Newsweek will follow Dave. Dave? Hey, Tony. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Dave. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm great. Uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend. And uh, so as far as, like, I guess it's, it's what, what I'm at, kind of curious is, is you, you've done pay-per-views, actually, with shorter windows between them in the last, you know, since the end of August. And what have you learned, you know, like pros and cons as far as like putting it together and business-wise from doing that? And also, um, are, are you close to a million-dollar gate for, uh, for for Saturday? Yeah, that's a great and that's a good uh, that's a good great question at the end there too. We are approaching it. Uh, we've got a great gate. Uh, I think it's closer to the. 900,000 range right now and we've got a great chance to make a push with a big walk up and I think it's going to be uh, one of the biggest crowds we've had uh, all year and it's going to be certainly a lot of fun and uh, I would put the forum on a very short list of my favorite of my favorite venues in the world and it's been a lot of interesting and great uh, things that we've come from doing more pay-per-view events for us. And it's definitely been great for the business, bottom line. And that is something I felt confident about, frankly, Dave, from years of studying wrestling economics and business trends. And something you over the years have written is about the inelasticity of pro wrestling as a market. And that really every wrestling company that's expanded the pay-per-view calendar has been happy. And for us, we launched with four premium pay-per-view events, including Full Gear, which is this Saturday and is one of my favorites, and I'm really looking forward to the weekend too. Uh, when we added Forbidden Door, it made so much sense. And when that was not only successful, but it was the biggest debut of any of our pay-per-view shows that made me see that, you know, that what you've said for years, there's a lot of merit to it. And there's now, after we've established ourselves and built up the four events we launched with Revolution, Double or Nothing, All Out and Full Gear, and we added Wrestle Dream, or excuse me, uh, then we added uh, Forbidden Door this past year. Uh, of course, we did add Wrestle Dream. That was something I had penciled in about a year in advance, like really exactly a year in advance, to, to really, uh, because when Antonio Inoki passed away, I circled the date, and I wanted to do an event 
that would pay tribute to his life and legacy. And, you know, I believe he's the one who made so much of what we do possible today. And I also, of course, felt really strongly about adding all in. And as you said, there's been different lengths between some of the pay-per-views. It's been anywhere from a week to a month or over a month. And in this case, uh, about a month and a half between Wrestle Dream and Full Gear. And I think that's been good. Uh, but, you know, the month between All Out and Wrestle Dream was really hot. We were able to get right into Wrestle Dream and people liked that. So it feels like we've built a nice calendar this year that's sustainable because all the events have done really well. And we're having our biggest and best year we've ever had on pay-per-view as far as revenues. And it's also been, our, in my opinion, so that, I mean, that's, that's a fact. It's been our best year in terms of revenues and buys. We've brought money in hand over fist and all, every pay-per-view we've done this year has done really well. And in particular, all in, of course, the live gate was insane with, you know, $10 million gate, over 81,000 tickets sold. But the pay-per-view itself is about 200,000 pay-per-view buys and is one of our top two pay-per-view events ever and was bigger than any pay-per-view we did last year. So that set a new standard as as pay-per-view this year has been great business. And then my opinion, and I think it's an opinion shared by a lot of people, including the readers of The Observer, who've given some of these pay-per-views virtually unanimous thumbs up. I think there was one person who gave All Out a thumbs in the middle out of several hundred. I don't know. Who, I would love to know, Dave, who the person who gave All Out thumbs in the middle is, if you could tell me. Uh, and, uh, you know, Wrestle Dream, I think, was pretty similar, almost unanimous, if not unanimous. Positive feedback, All In, uh, was an amazing pay-per-view that not only set all our box office records, but was a great show. And Brian Danielson, when he came in last week, said he thought it was the best wrestling show he's ever seen in terms of everything involved with it. And, uh, you know, and then Forbidden Door is probably one of my favorite things. And I have never been more excited for anything than for Brian to go out to Final Countdown to, to face Okada. And it has been great expanding the pay-per-view calendar. And also, I think, this, this show, people feel really good about these, these shows in recent weeks. Uh, Dynamite was well-received this week, and uh, I think really, uh, for me, I love the card up, up and down. So it feels like adding more pay-per-views has been a good thing, and then we haven't talked about World End, which is the other new event we're adding. But so far, everything indicates it's a really strong positive. The ticket sales are off to a great start, and I have every reason to believe, based on the data from this year, that that pay-per-view will do very well, hopefully. And uh, so, yeah, we've, we've learned a lot by expanding the pay-per-view calendar, and it's mostly been really positive for us. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave. <clears throat> Paul Berry from Newsweek is next. <clears throat> Excuse me, and then I've got a write-in from Aranava Goshal from Sportskeeda. Paul. Hey, uh, thanks for the time, uh, Jim and Tony. Uh, uh, congrats on a really strong full gear card, uh, shaped up really nicely. Uh, significant part of the build for full gear has been the many threats coming after Max and the uh, AEW World Title, especially. Uh, you know, the secret identity of the uh, person behind the devil mask. Uh, so my question is, 
when you're building a story with a secret reveal like this, are you actively trying to leave clues for fans to follow and find along the way? Or are you more working to protect that reveal for the sake of making it feel like a bigger surprise? Well, that's a great question. Uh, and I don't want to tell you what's what. Are these, are these clues? Are these red herrings? Certainly we've put a lot of information out there and it would be cruel of me at this point after everything we've done to tell you uh, what you know is a red herring and what is important information for later but I do think we've shared a lot of information in the course of this story and really it's been for me one of my favorite things uh, on the show certainly it's been challenging with Cole getting hurt but uh, we're all looking forward to having him back he was on such a great run and it's one of the things I take the most pride in when we look back at the end of the year I because Adam Cole people I think after his head injuries when he came back you know I think he had been so hot when he came in 2021 and for better or worse I don't know if people believed he was ever going to get as hot as he had been and then in 2023, he defied all the expectations. I think there's a lot of people that really like Adam Cole, and I think there's a lot of people that believe in Adam Cole. But I honestly believe, and I've said this to him, and I said it to him in London right after Wembley with tears in his eyes, and I told him that I don't – I take more pride in this probably than anything I've, we've done all year, that there's people that didn't think he would get as hot as he had been in his peak of his career. And I believe in 2023, he's been hotter than he ever was or has been. And for us, certainly he helped move so much business. And Adam Cole is one of the most important people in AEW. And it was brutal when he got hurt at grand slam, completely different than some of his prior injuries and just a total fluke thing. And, you know, we've responded since then, trying to put on great shows. I think Wrestle Dream, after he got injured, was a great event, and uh, we've had a lot of great shows since then. And I believe Full Gear will be a great event. And you know, I really look forward to when Adam Cole can come back healthy to AEW. And I think uh, for having you know MJF and Adam Cole as the tag team champions of Ring of Honor at, at All In. We started the show so great. We ended the show so great. And I believe that MJF and Jay White in the main event of Full Gear is such a, a great rivalry between somebody who is one of AEW's greatest homegrown stars and one of our best new generations of free agents. And their rivalry has been against the backdrop of the interference from, for lack of a better word, the devil. And uh, as to the identity of the devil and what's been established along the way, I think it's something to keep an eye on. But we've seen a lot of people get involved along the way. You know, Adam Cole from a distance has maintained his relationship with MJF. And we've seen Roderick, Cole, Roderick Strong and the kingdom uh, are paying close attention to all of this and now uh, Samoa Joe is looming large 
And Samoa Joe has made it known that he's here to help solve this problem for a price. And then there's Wardlow, who's also looming large. And a lot of interesting uh, things happening. And I'm very excited for full gear. And I think having MJF versus Jay White and knowing what's happened along the way, of course, the the devil, uh, I have a bone to pick with whoever it is because the acclaimed are great stars for us, great draw for the company. They move so much merch for us. And, uh, for whoever the devil is to take out the acclaimed, I have a bone to pick with the devil myself now. And I think it's going to be uh, excellent when MJF and Jay White lock up. And as for all the other people who've become entangled in this situation, uh, Samoa Joe, Wardlow, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, the Kingdom, potentially others along the way, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And it's created a lot of intrigue in AEW. Thanks for asking. Thank you very much, Paul. Here's a, a write-in guy from Arenado Goshel from Sports Kita, and then Hector Diaz from the Los Angeles Times will follow. Here's the um, the question, Tony. Full Gear will feature Adam Copeland's first AEW pay-per-view match. What are your thoughts on working with the veteran and his excitement for the upcoming match? I really have enjoyed working with Adam Copeland. He's got a great mind for wrestling, and it's very fitting that he's teaming with Sting and Darby Allen. And in particular, Sting and Adam Copeland have a lot of similarities. They're both so positive. You know, they walk in, and they both are imposing figures, yet they are very kind-hearted. And uh, they could be big, intimidating guys if you didn't know them. And yet when you get to know Adam Copeland, it's, it's similar to what I said about Sting before, where Adam has such a good heart. He's a great family man and has great values. And I think he's a really honest uh, person uh, in all my dealings with him and certainly uh, somebody that has a lot of respect in our locker room and from fans around the world and a huge following. And Adam Copeland, when he came into AEW, I think he was in denial. And he was in denial about who Christian Cage has become. Christian Cage, the patriarch, is a different person in AEW than he had been anywhere else in his career. He's a much darker figure. And the patriarch has taken advantage of misery and has taken advantage of personal tragedies in the lives of AEW wrestlers and in particular his opponents and I think you know for Adam Copeland to come into AEW and get involved with Sting and Darby Allen makes a lot of sense and I'm glad uh, they were able to open his eyes as to what Christian Cage has become and now to see Adam Copeland and Christian Cage standing on opposite sides of the ring from each other in AEW, it's a big deal to me personally, and I think it'll be a big deal to a lot of the fans, and it's very cool that both of them 
have maintained such a high standard of excellence. And Adam Copeland being in AEW uh, is a big deal for us. And I am very excited for the pay-per-view on Saturday and that match in particular. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hector Diaz from the Los Angeles Times is next. And if we have time after Hector, we've got one more from Liam Crawley from Comic Book. Hector? How's it going, Tony? Hey, great. Uh, Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, is there a difference in how you plan multiple cards for this LA market, considering the minority majority, as opposed to like a market that's less Latinx dominated? Well, that's a great question. Uh, well, for the pay-per-view audience, you've got uh, very uh, the ultimate wide uh, net you're casting, and people watching all over the world. And in Los Angeles, it's a great market for all kinds of fans and it's just a great city. I love LA. Uh, and I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's a got a, it's a city with a great history for Lucha Libre and pro wrestling in general. And AEW's had a lot of success here. It's been one of our best markets. We debuted in Los Angeles finally at the forum here in 2022 and had a great, first ever event and we saw the kind of energy the forum can bring and every show we've done there so far two for two has been great now I think we're about to go three for three uh, with a big full gear pay-per-view of course uh, we have run dynamite there last year and this year and they're two of my personal favorite dynamite shows and the crowd brings so much energy and Definitely, a, there's a great Latin fan base in L.A., and Lucha Libre has had a good amount of success there. And, and so we've had some involvement from luchadors on Dynamite and, of course, on plan for Full Gear, and we'll see more of that tomorrow on Collision and Rampage. I think it would be fair to say, and uh, very excited for that. Of course, we've announced Roosh versus Dax Harwood, which is a great match for tomorrow at the forum and a lot more to come for the big three hour block of live collision and rampage followed by the countdown to full gear. So a big three and a half hour block, something we haven't had before like this on TNT and uh, it's a great show of support from our awesome partners at Warner brothers discovery to give us three and a half hours tomorrow night for a Friday night block on TNT and, uh, Hopefully, we can take advantage of being in this great market. Thanks for asking. Thank you, Hector. So our final question of the day, Tony, comes to us from Liam Crowley from Comic Book. Liam? Hey, Tony. Thanks for taking the time today. Uh, Going to be really annoying with this final question, as I'm sure anyone who's <laughs> on social knows what I'm about to ask. But Adam Copeland, you mentioned him earlier. He's got a big film project coming out very soon. Percy Jackson and the Olympians coming out December 20th. Two days after that, your world champion MJF stars in the Iron Claw, the A24 movie. I know neither of those projects are under the Warner Brothers Discovery banner, uh, but do you have any ambitions to do some kind of cross-promotion cross promotion with both of them, considering that these are two of the first times talent from your roster is crossing over into Hollywood? 
I can't speak to Adam's project, which is really exciting, and I know a lot of people are talking about. Uh, I got on the flight in. I got stopped to talk about it, and I think that's awesome, and, and it's great for AEW. Um, with Max's project, the Iron Claw, yes, I do think there is. Um, a, I do think there's a great opportunity for us to promote the Iron Claw, and I'm optimistic that we can. And it's very cool that we'll also be going to Dallas along the way, which is pretty neat and uh, means a lot to me. And that is something we do every December. And great timing with the release of the Iron Claw. Thank you, Liam. Tony, any uh, parting thoughts? Any final comments? Yes, thanks, Jim. Yes. Uh, I will give my uh, Rod Serling at the end of the Twilight Zone soliloquy now. Uh, this is this is going to be a great weekend, uh, and all of you, I really appreciate uh, you participating in this. I'm sorry if there's anybody that we didn't get a chance to speak with. Hopefully, some of you will be coming to the live pay per view, and um, if you're on the West Coast, uh, hopefully, I'll see you at the forum and. Look forward to having you all at the event, and I'll try and stay and answer as many questions as I can. And uh, it'll be uh, as much as I can do before I get on the red eye flight back to Jacksonville for the Jags game. Uh, and uh, we're going to make it count this time in Los Angeles. I think it's going to be a really special full gear weekend. I really appreciate all of you. I don't think it would be possible for AEW to exist or to have sustained this kind of success for years now without all of you and the great coverage each of you provides. And each time I talk to all of you, uh, I really appreciate your contributions. It's great to hear so many of your voices. And if you're not joining us in person at the forum for Full Gear on Saturday this weekend, hopefully see some of you who are on the East Coast at World's End at the end of the year if you're available around the holidays in December 30th. And again, I just wanted to say how grateful and thankful I am to all of you, and hopefully you'll all be able to check out AEW Full Gear on Saturday, and I hope you all have a great weekend. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tony, and thank you uh, to everyone. We are now at the end of our time. Uh, as we always do, we'll be distributing an audio recording to all attendees shortly. Until then, on behalf of Tony Khan and everyone at AEW, please know we do look forward to seeing you at AEW Collision and AEW Rampage tomorrow night and for full gear on Saturday night. And if you can't make it, we know you'll be watching, and we do appreciate it, as Tony just mentioned. To everyone, best wishes for a wonderful Thanksgiving next week and a spectacular spectacular holiday week uh, or month ahead. And we'll see you this weekend. Thank you.